0: i always enjoy bringing you the latest this is the scoop Scoop. it's the scoop with darren dukey wolfson from five eyewitness news hello everyone sunday is my fun day especially when i get to record a new scoop podcast although admittedly a lot of my fun on this day comes when i'm not in my home office So away we go here on Scoop Podcast episode 363. Like always, I will empty out my figurative notebook. Then we will get to, just in this episode, a couple conversations. This will not be an hour and a half long podcast. We will go shorter than normal on this Sunday, the 22nd of August. The year is 2021. Again, Scoop Podcast episode 363 going on five-plus years strong. We debuted this podcast April of 2016. In no particular order, on the Vikings, Mike Zimmer, head coach, late last night at the podium, admitted what I've talked about, at least on Channel 5, about Anthony Barr's injury situation, that it is not related to the surgery he underwent 11 months ago, September of 2020, that pectoral Surgery, what Anthony Barr is dealing with, we don't officially know. I will tell you this much I'm led to believe it is a lower body injury, but he has not practiced in full since August 5th. So there is cause for concern. I will add that Barr knows this defense incredibly well. It's not like he needs a ton of practice reps or preseason reps. We are seeing across the league a lot of good players are not playing in the preseason. So it's not like he needs to be out there, but the idea is at least before September 12th, he gets on the practice field at least a little bit so he can be ready to go for that opener. So we'll continue to monitor Anthony Barr's situation, but we now know per the head coach going on the record that it is not related to the pectoral surgery he underwent last year. On Everson Griffin, I am led to believe We will have finality on that front at some point this week. The Vikings, as of Sunday morning, have not extended Griff a contract offer. That could come soon or that may not come at all. I am told last week he looked, quote, explosive in his workout. But as you can imagine, when it comes to Everson Griffin, there's a lot going on there. It's not quite as simple as, okay, he looks physically good. Let's extend him. An offer. There's a lot to dissect there if you're Mike Zimmer, if you're Rick Spielman, if you're others in the Vikings front office. So that diligence continues. We will see soon. I will say, Stephen Weatherly played well in the Colts game. Stephen Weatherly had a good game last night. If that enters into the equation, I am also led to believe that we'll find out one way or another this week, and it won't extend beyond this week. Now it's fluid. Of course, things can change. Heck, injuries happen. A lot can change, right? But that this idea that Everson Griffin is a vested veteran would have his contract guaranteed if he's on the roster week one, that the Vikings could wait until week two to sign Griffin, I am told that's not part of these discussions, that the Vikings either will or won't extend him an offer this week. So we'll continue to monitor that front as well. Cam Dansler, in case you missed it, he is now on the third team. Chris Boyd has passed Dansler on the depth chart. I'm curious what the heck has happened to Cam Dansler. He did change agents in the offseason, but that doesn't have anything to do with his poor performance. The Vikings return to action, their final exhibition game Friday night in Kansas City. I do expect at least some of the regulars to play at least a series or two. Continuing the football chatter, Chris Garrett. He's been on the Scoop podcast before. I was fortunate enough to tell his fascinating story on Channel 5 a few years ago. From Milwaukee, was a big-time high school recruit, didn't have the grades, has overcome a lot in his life. He was a seventh-round draft pick, so he ends up at Concordia St. Paul. He was a seventh-round draft pick of the Los Angeles Rams. Well, last night in their exhibition game against the Raiders, he had a sack. He forced a fumble. The vibe, the buzz from Rams' camp is Garrett has been good. Yeah, maybe it's a seventh-rounder. He's destined for the practice squad, not the 53-man roster, but he has been impressive, really good young man. I am happy for Chris Garrett. I wasn't sure he would get drafted. He did not perform up to his capabilities in early April at Gopher Pro Day. But the Rams saw something. Like they watched the tape. I mean, he dominated D2. He was a sack master in D2. Yeah, undersized. There are some hurdles there, but the athleticism is there. The desire, the want, all that is there. So definitely rooting for Chris Garrett. 10 days to go before Gophers Ohio State on campus. If Chris Altman-Bell plays, now maybe he can be a decoy, but like, don't expect the old Altman-Bell. The treatment on the ankle is happening as often as it can happen. He will be back at some point this year. The injury is not a season-ending injury, but I just think expecting him to do a lot on September 2nd, you are being aggressive. Uber aggressive, if you think that. I think maybe more realistic is like mid to late September for us seeing the old Chris Altman Bell. Let's transition to the Wolves. Leandro Balmaro is in town. They should make the contract, him signing the contract official at some point in the very near future. Joshua Kogi is eligible to sign an extension. However, I am told... To now, there have not been any, zero, any extension talks on the Josh Okogie front. The Wolves continue to negotiate on the Jared Vanderbilt front, the Jordan McLaughlin front. Both guys restricted free agents. I am told there was a conversation, Gerson Rosas, with the McLaughlin camp after the Patrick Beverly trade. There's still a desire for the Wolves. Now, it looks like McLaughlin would come back as the number three point guard and you got to make the money work the wolves right now are like what six and a half to seven million dollars below the luxury tax how much of that will go to Vanderbilt so they may not have much wiggle room for McLaughlin but they would still like Jordan McLaughlin back but it's just a reminder it is a cutthroat business a reminder something I talked about a few weeks ago the first minute that free agency started. The first meeting the Wolves had in Los Angeles when free agency started earlier this month, Rosas, Finch, other members of the front office, was with Jordan McLaughlin. They expressed a strong desire then to Jordan, hey, we're ready to hand you more of the keys to the offense. We really, really value you. We want you back so badly. Then the Wolves make the Patrick Beverly trade. It's not like Beverly was on their radar In early August. I mean, that's just another reminder of how fluid things can be. But like everything changed, right? They bring in Beverly. He is now the number two. Now he can play off the ball. But Jordan McLaughlin, we just we wonder how he fits in. I know the Blazers have some interest, The Pacers have some interest, But I just don't know if there's a pathway to him landing on another roster. So I just I feel bad for McLaughlin for what the Wolves sold him in early August to now, you know, 20 days later, how much has changed, but I'm on record. The Beverly trade is one I would have made. I like the move. We'll get to Beverly's trainer in just a few minutes. I did see Beverly tweet this morning. It looks like he will be wearing number 22 kg is his guy, but he's not wearing 21. So it looks like he will wear 22 the trade. Came together really, really fast. So it came together, you know, last Sunday night into Monday. Well, last Sunday night was when the Clippers Grizzlies trade was announced. And then Rosas got involved soon thereafter, maybe late Sunday night into Monday. By Tuesday morning, the tweets were out that the Wolves and Grizzlies have agreed to this trade Well, the trade hasn't been announced yet. Bobby Marks, my guy, he was on the last Scoop podcast. I texted with Bobby. Bobby said, this is Memphis holding up the trade. They are looking at another transaction. And so uh, bottom line is Memphis is holding up the official announcement. Patrick Beverly is going to be a Minnesota Timberwolf. Now, Memphis did end up with Daniel Oturu in that trade. It does look like Oturu is going to land elsewhere. He does have guaranteed money for next season, so that's a good thing. The Spurs and the Celtics are among teams interested in acquiring Daniel Oturu. But again, signs point to him, not sticking on the Memphis Grizzlies. On the Twins, I'm trying to think, is there anything else on the Wolves? I don't have an update on the number three assistant. I texted somebody this morning, but no text back as of me recording this right now if I get some new info I'll tweet it shameless plug my Twitter D Wolfson KSTP so I don't see anything else that I quickly jotted down so on the twins I expect Joe Ryan to make one maybe two more starts for the St. Paul Saints but I don't expect him to be in St. Paul a really long time he was spectacular on Friday night I do think Joe Ryan will get called up. I do think he ends up pitching in the majors for the Twins before the season is over. Matt Canarino, one of the Twins' top pitching prospects, back on the injured list at high A Cedar Rapids. I'm told it is just tendonitis. Admittedly, he is frustrated. He was out for a while, just came back, was really good in his outing the other day. Now he is back on the injured list. So I get it. Like he is incredibly frustrated, but I'm led to believe this is not, at least right now, it doesn't look like this is a serious injury, just tendonitis. I'm wishing Nelson Cruz all the best. The Tampa Bay Rays announcing on Sunday morning that Nelly is on the COVID-related injured list. He is vaccinated. I was texting with his agent, Bryce Dixon, who's been on this podcast before. Bryce says, Nelly is feeling good, doesn't know yet if it's a positive test or not. Some of the testing is ongoing, but then Nelly feels good as of this morning. And yeah, I mean, I'll double down on what I just said about him being vaccinated. That hopefully leads him to being just fine if he does end up testing positive. I was asked a bunch, not a bunch, but a few times, why Ron Gardenhire? wasn't at Target Field last weekend for the 30-year 1991 World Series reunion. Well, Rick Anderson's daughter got married. Guardy and Rick are the best of friends. Guardy wasn't going to miss Rick Anderson's daughter's wedding. So there have been 1991 reunions before, I guess in theory, Rick's daughter only gets married once, so Guardy. I don't think it was a real tough decision. Guardy chose going to the wedding over being here last weekend for the 30-year reunion. On the wild, I hear they remain confident on the Kirill Kaprizov front. Now, maybe they're being delusional. Maybe I'm being lied to, but I'm told they remain confident they will sign him to a multi-year deal. I think the better question is, the more interesting question is, what will the term look like? Clearly, the Wild would love to sign Kaprizov to a seven- or an eight-year deal. It's not going to be that. Could it be five? Will it be four? Heck, would the Wild have to settle for a three-year deal? If so, that would be a monumental loss. So that, to me, is the more fascinating angle. What will the term ultimately look like? Not whether the Wild will actually sign Kirill Kaprizov. Gophers men's basketball. Farrell Payne from Park High School. In Cottage Grove, wrapping up his official visit today, i like to go for his chances to grab him. He has exploded this summer. Admittedly, one year ago, if we talked August of 2020, Farrell Payne wasn't on the radar of a lot of people. Sure, Ryan James, others, yes. Somebody like me, others, no. But he has exploded. Lots of interest. He is a very, very intriguing forward. I think he has... A really, really high ceiling. He's got lots of potential. I think the Gophers can get him. I think the Gophers can add Feral Payne to their 2022 recruiting class. But anyway, his official visit wrapping up later today. Ex-Gopher Austin Hollins signed a one-year deal worth six figures with a team in Serbia the other day. He will be teammates with Minnesota native Nate Walters. So very cool on that front. A high school basketball note that will be official here in five or six days, but I've talked about this before that here in the state of Minnesota, forget the metro area, the entire state of Minnesota in the class of 2022, we will end up with around 25 to 30 Division 1 players. Not all high major, but 25 to 30 Division 1 players. Well, one of the better players in that class is transferring schools. He will end up at a good school here in the metro area. So I'll have more in a few days. But when it comes to high school basketball headlines, on I think it'll be official maybe Friday, maybe Saturday, maybe Thursday. But when that hits, at least in the high school basketball community, it will, it will send some shockwaves. It'll be pretty monumental news for high school basketball. All right, let's get to a couple interviews. Derek Falvey. I caught up with Derek on Thursday morning. So this was before three consecutive, probably inevitable, but three consecutive losses to the New York Yankees. But we didn't really talk so much. You know, the recent pretty good run by his team. It was more big picture type stuff heading into 2022. So hopefully you enjoy this conversation. Here was my chat from Thursday with Twins President of Operations, Derek foul Derek, always appreciate your time. Your five-year hiring anniversary is fast approaching. We're just a few weeks away, October of 2016. You get the job here. When I say that, when I say you're about to approach your five-year anniversary running the Twins, being the big boss of the Twins front office, what what comes to mind?
1: You, know, you caught me off guard there. I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a whirlwind uh, it's been incredible to be here, be part of the Twins organization, be here in the Twin Cities. You know, my, my family and I—we love it, um, and it's been—it's been a great ride. You know, some ups, some downs along the
0: way, but uh, looking forward to being a part of it as as we continue. One of the downs, I suppose, would be this particular year with just the the high expectations. I mean, in some ways, this year feel like about five years. <laughs> yeah, this alone, really, the last twelve to eighteen
1: months, and this is true for everybody in the world. I feel like has felt like five years uh, all by itself. So. Certainly, yes. So, you know, we're not where we want to be in August, but I'm really happy with some of the young players and how we're playing of late and just trying to build because you don't want to get caught in the middle. You know, we want to try and focus on how we can continue to make this thing better as we go forward. Anything
0: about this year not surprise you?
1: Well, that's a great question. Uh, maybe of late, and it's it's on my mind because of the last few days, but Jorge Polanco's performance, you know, what he's been doing, I think he's kind of been an underrated overall player for us over over the last number of years. There's been a lot of guys with a, a lot of fanfare, a lot of attention, for good reason, no question, good players on our club, but Jorge Polanco's just steady he, he gets out there every day. He's got to lead our team at plate appearances over the last few seasons. So it's, it's impressive to see what he's doing and, and what he's done of late. It's just been fun for him. I'm really proud of what
0: he's accomplished. Yeah. I mean, it's the total package. I mean, not only is it the performance on the field, it is the, the durability. Like, I don't know how many guys of your opening day, 26 man roster haven't been on the injured list at, at some point, but Jorge is one of those guys.
1: Yeah, no doubt. You know, it's it's something, too, that he plays when he's still not feeling great. Right. And we know that, you know, we sometimes can't share all of the specifics for, you know, an individual who's hurting or dealing with something. So when he's fighting through it, you feel for him. It might not be what the public knows, you know, ultimately. But last year, a good example, he fought through his ankle and, and some of the things he was dealing with. That's fully resolved, and now he's in a position where he can uh, he can go out and battle every day. So I'm just proud of the work he's put in, how hard a work he's a great kid, as you know, Doogie, and he's just somebody that uh, we're really proud of leading our club right now.
0: From 16 to 17, so you take over. You guys made a sizable jump. So 16 to 17, you guys went up 20 something wins. I don't know the exact number, top of my head. You may know. Then from 18 to 19, you guys made another like really sizable jump, 20. 20- 20 something wins again. Like, can that happen heading into 22 where you guys make another 20 something win jump? I, I sure hope so, right? That That's the goal ultimately
1: is to try and put ourselves in position to compete year in and year out. You know, it's been one thing, as you said, you know, five years in looking back on it, but I've been proud of is. We continue to try and compete. You know, this has never been about a, um, a, a rebuild, you know, and it's never a word we've used. We've retooled, we've refreshed on the fly. And I do think those those uh, words matter because it is a different approach. We've tried to add to it, even in 18, adding to it coming off of 17 and adding some guys that uh, like Lance Lynn and others that you know, found a way onto that club. We've been doing that each every season and, and proud of what we accomplished over the last two years. We think this team is talented. We think we have depth. We, th- we think we have prospect depth. And hopefully that will that will show up here in the big leagues here soon and
0: continue to allow us to compete year in and year out. Some of those prospects are now on the the 26 man roster. Like if I had told you opening day or if I had told you March 25th, hey, on on August 23rd, August 24th, you'll have three rookies in your starting rotation. Like what the heck would you have told me? <laughs> Well, I probably at that
1: moment would have said, "Uh uh-oh, we've had some injuries and some things not go our way. Just because, you know, one of the best predictors of team performance in any given year, if you knew it at the end of the year, is health, right? If you could just stay healthy through a year, it really helps you uh, in any given year. And we've experienced that at different junctures for sure. But, hey, at the same time, those guys have really stepped up. You know, the, the month of August for us has been a good month. We've played good baseball uh, really even going back to, the, to to about the all-star break in aggregate. So I feel like our group is is maturing. They're getting better. You're seeing young players get the experience uh, that helps them, guys that are ready to take the ball, whether it's Bailey Ober or Griffin Jacks or Charlie Barnes or some guys that have stepped up on the other side of the ball too. It's just been fun to see those guys mature.
0: Ober in particular, like what what
1: pleases you about him? You know, as much as anything, getting him healthy and having him pitch, you know, taking the ball every five to six days you know, along the way here, uh, because as we know, and we've talked about it a lot, you know, he's had some history with with injuries and he hasn't been able to build the volume of innings and pitches that, that he's been able to build. He did a great job last year you know, down in our facility, worked with our training staff, our medical group, even during a COVID year to try and make sure that he was as healthy as possible. Uh, and ultimately, he's he's put himself on the map. He's always performed at every level. The performance speaks for itself in the minor leagues. But now for him to translate it up here, to learn the differences in the big league game, I think pitchers who are ready for it are
0: showing now that they, they are now learning at this level. You said the aggregate going back to the All-Star break. I mean, even really before that, I mean, not that the record is significantly over 500 going back 50, 55 games, but it is like go back about 55, maybe even 60 games. You guys are over 500. Yeah, and, and you know it's it's guys different guys who have
1: stepped up during that time too. I think that Uh, when a team gets to the trade deadline and you make some of the decisions that we had to make around uh, more subtraction than focused on addition uh, in the short term, you can see a team going, going a bit of a spiral. We haven't done that at all. Our guys have stepped up and continued to perform. That's a credit to the culture and the guys in the room and pride ultimately. But like you said, going back a little ways, we know Alex Colme, a good example of a guy who really struggled to start the year. There's no doubt about it. He'd be the first to admit it. He's a veteran guy. But really over that time that you just mentioned has been one of the better and steadier relievers in the game. Uh, he's had hiccups just like all relievers do ultimately. But I think we see guys now stepping up in our pen, finding ways to, to impact us toward the end of a game. And that's keeping us in these and giving us a chance to win more than,
0: than we've lost of late. Derek, call me nuts, but on Colomay, like I can make a strong case. You guys should exercise your half of that of that mutual option for next year. Yeah you know, crazy reality of a pitching, and in bullpens, right? The, the, the ups and downs, the roller
1: coaster uh, that's what gives you gray hair and makes you lose your hair in, in my seat. is how to, how to figure out the bullpen piece, because we've had some guys really perform over the last couple of years in the bullpen. We've had some guys struggle, no doubt, uh, every, every GM deals with that. But I would say that he's someone who continues to pitch well. He's been a good fit in our clubhouse. He's a great teammate. Been around it a long time. I think when you have some veteran guys around that have been through this, even when you're through struggles, it helps those younger players because they can lean on them a little bit and see that, hey, you can go through a rough patch, as rough as any patch in your career, and then still find a way out on the back end and pitch the way you have in the past. So it's
0: just a great it's a great fit for our club right now. Derek, how do you explain the roller coaster known as Miguel Sano? I mean, the plate discipline is there. I mean, he's taking a lot of pitches. Heck, he hits one the other day, 475 feet. He's on a good run right now. Like going back a few weeks, it's a really nice run, but it's, it really is. It's a roller coaster.
1: Yeah. You know, Miguel, you know this, Doogie, as well as anybody. You've known him basically since he was 16 years old. And, you know, he's somebody who we know he has power. We know he has actually a good eye at the plate. I know, I know, you know, a lot gets made of his swing and miss or strikeouts, and we get that. But when he's taking a pitch just off the edge, he, he knows the strike zone so well. So I think that he's somebody who has continued to mature as a hitter, go through some ups and downs. There is some streakiness in his game. That's not unlike other power hitters in, in baseball these days, but I would say that it's good to see him on a good run, good to see him on a good track. He's putting in good work, and hopefully we can continue to build off of that. How do you analyze Josh Donaldson's season? Yeah, Josh is somebody who, you know over the last couple of years, when he's been on the field, and in that batter's box, he's a difference maker for us. He, he certainly, you now he's performed all in all exactly the way we would have hoped he'd perform. you know, coming to the team. Obviously, he's dealt with some downtime uh, with respect to, to dealing with his health and, and some injuries along the way. And that's been unfortunate. That's been a challenge. But Josh, even right now, battling through, you know, not feeling at 100%. Of his capacity right now, but still wanting to be out there, still grinding it. Why he's DHing some more, you know, why at times he's, he's getting run for in games. We're just trying to manage him along, but he wants to be a part of this. You know, he's a guy, he knows his role on this team, and he wants to help us keep fighting, keep battling, keep winning uh, because no matter who you play, you know, we want to go out there. And what we've been able to do of late against the three division leaders in the American League and the Indians who have always been a good team in this division and to win all of those series it's been fun to see our guys just com-
0: compete in battle here. One popular question I've been asked a bunch, you know, the last handful of months, I mean, even really going back to, you know, mid April, late April. And admittedly, I, I don't even know the best way to ask you it, but I'll, I'll throw it your way. It's it's the idea that, that Lamont Wade Jr. Is, is having a really good run with the Giants. Uh, you look at Akil Badu. Now I understand. I mean, that one, I understand a little bit more just based on his injury and, and, then you know the goofiness of last year like I understand why why you exposed him and you know credit to the Tigers for for pouncing on him but like those two guys yeah. you know having you know different levels of success you know you being married to, to Jake Cave and just I don't know what what would you say to fans who are like I don't understand why you would move Lamont Wade Jr why would you you move on from from Akil Badu and and yet Jake Cave remains on the roster
1: yeah, no, all fair questions. Listen, these things keep me up at night when players go elsewhere and 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 perform. I think in each guy's case, credit the players, credit the teams. You know, ultimately, I, I think that this is a hard, hard gig for a lot of guys to perform the way they're performing. Lamont's got out there to San Francisco. He's made some real adjustments. You know, I, I got a chance to see some of his video. He's got better. And like good for you know him. For for Lamont, I am proud of him. I wish we could have done it here. Certainly roster decisions for us, as we thought about the depth of our roster and where guys could play and what fit us. And one of those deals, certainly I'm, I'm happy for Lamont. Wish he was doing it here. Certainly. And then in Akil's case, you know, you said it, you know, he's coming out of a ball and and a rule five pick. Uh, Those are not common to to turn down that path, but trust me, every time he's up in the box, I wish he was on our side of the, uh, of the field. So we'll keep grinding. We'll keep working try and continue to make our, our process better around uh, our players and and then hopefully find a way to get those guys performing on our side as well when they come back uh, in trades.
0: I mean, is it just a reminder how hard your job is? Like, find me a front office that even bats, you know, 750 or 800. Like, we can look at, at you know, the teams with the best records right now, Derek, and point to, you know, comparable examples that just what you do is incredibly hard. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It feels that way at times. I, I've talked to people who doing this a lot
1: longer than I have, you know. Uh, the, the Brian Cashman's of the world, the Mark Shapiro's others that I learned from and said, uh, when, when I signed up for it, they said, All right, welcome to the world where you're gonna be wrong a lot. <laughs> and that's it, that's just the way it is, you know, in this. But what you can't do is you can't uh, you have to learn from it. You can't run from it, you gotta embrace it, you gotta learn each time that. a decision gets made or you struggle what was our process what did we do what can we do differently to learn from it and and go forward I think that's the that's the thing we just want to reinforce with our group we're going to make mistakes along the way we want our players to think the same way they make an adjustment they 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 get better they try a pitch they do something it doesn't work keep working keep learning from it keep trying to get better and that's our commitment to to twins fans across our our whole our whole fan base
0: inevitably at least I hope so some Some season ticket holders that are contemplating whether to renew their tickets for next year will will see this. What what is your message to them? What is your sell job to them as they're contemplating, okay, should I renew my season tickets for next year?
1: You know, I think I certainly recognize, you know, anytime someone spends a dollar with the Minnesota Twins as part of us, we are incredibly grateful. We don't take that for granted ever. Uh, Our view of this is when people walk through the, the gates of Target Field, we hope they have an incredible experience both watching the baseball on the field, but everything they experience when they walk through the doors and get a chance to be uh, at what, in my mind, the best baseball field in the game. And it's a great experience every day. And we hope that continues. Our focus on the baseball side uh, is that we, we aren't a team that I have said it before and I'll say it again. We've never talked about rebuild and retool. Our goal is to try and make this team better and go and compete each and every day. I think even right now, while we're not where we need to be, from a playoff projection standpoint and getting to where we need to go, our guys are battling every night because these games right now, these learnings, these failures, these struggles, these successes are going to what allow us to get us back on the field and, and put ourselves in a position. So I can tell you that next, next year when we get to spring training, we're in Fort Myers and we're charging toward the season, it's going to be with the focus of competing and giving ourselves another chance to win an AL Central Championship and hopefully beyond.
0: I mean, you could certainly bring up too your, your prospect pool being – that much deeper I don't know how many fans want to hear that you know immediately but but you do have a really good farm system although like how much stock do you put into into the ratings that are out there like I just saw one maybe it was Baseball America you have like seven pitchers in the top 10 but like I think about maybe a year ago and again last year was weird but going back sometime like where was Jose Miranda on some of those lists right and now you know like a guy like Jose is is knocking on the door of joining you guys Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. You know, we look at those
1: lists. Certainly, the public stuff is really helpful to try and get a gauge of other clubs. Sometimes it gives you some insight into some players of other teams but we know our players internally a little better, where they stack up, what they're working on. Uh, I am excited about the growth and development of our, 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 our staff in general and everything we have around pitching in the minor leagues. You know, last year was a tough year. We lost a year of development for a lot of guys we would have thought would have been double-A, AA, triple-A types that would have put themselves really on the radar for this year. We we're being thoughtful and patient with those guys to make sure that they're as ready as possible when they hit the big league level because uh, the last thing you want is too much shuttling back and forth. So our view of of our our prospect depth, and particularly after the deadline, and acquiring guys like Austin Martin, Simeon Wood, Richardson, Joe Ryan, Drew Stroughton, all these guys at the upper levels of the minor leagues, we felt like those guys fit our. Uh, our group of young players, our our contention timeline, you know what we're trying to do to try and compete each year. Uh, that was kind of threading the needle, so to speak, to get guys that we think could be in the big league sooner rather than later, and not focused on a ball prospects that are further away. So it's a uh, it's a good group. We think it's going to be here hopefully soon, and and will allow us to
0: continue to restock the big league team to compete year in and year out. On soon, Miranda, like could we see Miranda sometime in September? Maybe. I mean, I know you no longer have like the the, you know, added as many guys as you want, right? It's only what, 28 now that rule was yeah. implemented a couple of years ago, but could we see Miranda here this year? Yeah. He's a great example of that same conversation and
1: someone that we have been talking about at the big league level, you know, with, with all of these young players, whether it's guys who've already been up here, Alex Kirilov, Trevor Larnick, others that Ryan Jeffers, you know, that is here now and has been in AAA. A lot of these guys were kind of coming together. Jose a little bit behind that and, and is now joining that group. We feel like that what we want to do is make sure as best we can uh, that when players get to the big leagues, they're as ready and prepared for it as possible. Uh, And performance is one side of that. Certainly, Jose has done everything we could have asked of him on the field from a performance standpoint. But you want to make sure all the little things, you know, the base running and understanding the defensive alignments and things like that. Because it's the game gets faster in the big leagues. We all know it. That third deck changes everyone's mindset. And so I think that Jose is is close to ready, someone that we're investing in. I talked to Paul Molitor, actually, when he went through a couple weeks back and saw him and thought about a lot of those little details, you know, that he's trying to help him with, that Toby Gardner is trying to help him with. So uh, when he gets here, we're hoping he's really going to impact us and, and, and show what he
0: can do, which he's already done in the minor leagues. I mean, is Larnick a good example of just everything you just said that, just it's a reminder how hard it is to hit a major league fastball, a major league slider that, you know, Trevor, the the future is still incredibly bright. But that was part of the reason why you sent him down to AAA. Exactly right. And, you know, some of this, what we don't
1: fully appreciate, I think, league wide. You know, I looked at it the other day. And and if you look at Jorge Polanco or if you look at uh, some of our good young players in the big leagues now, You're looking at 700, 800, maybe 1,000 plate appearances at the AA and AAA level before they become major leaguers and establish themselves as regular guys. I think Trev the other day, I looked up maybe as 150 or or 175 between those two upper levels. It's not his fault, you know, COVID happened and we didn't have a minor league season. So we're trying to accelerate some of those players, you know, Ryan Jeffers, you know, only about hundred plate appearances before we sent him down during this year to get the same retooling. And now we're seeing one of our better overall contributors over the last month in Ryan. So I think in Trevor's case, He's a great kid. He's one of our best workers in the game in our organization. He knows now reset, take a mental break, work on some things, both offensively and defensively. And we know he's going to be a big part of what we're doing going forward. So development never stops. And particularly for those guys that have had to accelerate it a little bit based on the last couple of years.
0: I'll hit you with just a couple more and send you on your way if that's okay. On on Martin. I mean, off to a good start there in Wichita. He is for sure. I mean, this is a kid who we had, we weren't picking at the top of
1: the draft thankfully because we were performing pretty well at the big league level. So we talked about Austin Martin for about five minutes in the draft last year, uh, knowing he wasn't getting anywhere near our pick. So, um, so, but we did know that this kid had a special ability at the plate, you know, real bat to ball skills an advanced approach. You know, in a game today where there's a lot of power and a lot a lot of swing, this is a guy who when you watch him take BP can drive a ball the right field, can, you know, can do some different things and is really trying to manipulate the the bat head and and the barrel of the bat to do some pretty special things. So I'm really, you know, I'm proud of what he's doing right now. And I think he's going to continue
0: to develop both offensively and defensively as we go forward. On the injured guys, like what guys will come back this year? So I mean it's a lengthy list, right? It's Panada. It's Alcala, it's Duran, it's Buxton, you know, Royce Lewis, I suppose, isn't coming back. I'm probably leaving out a name or two Pineda, like of all the injured guys, you know, AAA and above, like what guys will come back this year? Yeah, it's a good question. So, as you
1: just mentioned, I'll try and run through a few of those, and and then others. You know, we're we're hopeful there we get the Alkalas and uh, and and Derek Law, Luke Farrell. These guys are about to start throwing and be a part of our, our our mix again here soon. So that's great. In addition to Randy Dobnak, who's about to go out on a on a rehab. Byron Buxton, obviously, a lot has been made of that and and the conversation he had. Uh, he's been progressing really well, making sure that all his strength, grip strength, things like that, are all in a good place. So that as he's swinging the bat and going against live pitching, he's back to normal. Uh, we're hopeful that later this week, that's, that's part of the conversation as well. Uh, and then, you know, the other young players you just mentioned, Royce Lewis, certainly we knew was lost for the season. We're hopeful to have a great offseason once his ACL uh, is fully healed and back to normal. He's in a good place. Uh, right now. And then Joan Duran, you know, someone who we're building back up now, having given him some time down, hopefully is back on, on the field like Josh Winder and others who are going to track more toward the end of the year. We're going to be very careful with those guys. They're obviously a big part of our future, but hopefully each of those who I just mentioned outside of maybe Royce, uh, we'll see playing baseball again toward the back end of the season.
0: And then the last one would be Chase Petty, your, your first round pick. Is there any reason to have him throw any professional pitches This summer, is he shut down for the year and he can ramp things up in in the winter sometime? It's a good question. What we try and know is
1: what is the guy's history? We know this going into the draft, but really how much they've thrown going into the winter and the offseason. And so we want to build it up thoughtfully. Our view is that he will throw some. uh, We'll continue to keep him moving. We want to get his body in the best possible position. We want to make sure his arms is as clean as it can be. And then, as you said, build them up from there. So uh, we'll expect that he'd be a part of our instructional league group. We'll have that in the fall down in Fort Myers, do everything we can to build a base and a foundation because he's a guy who we really feel good about going forward and getting him into a starting rotation here soon.
0: Derek, anything we didn't touch on that you want to get out there? No, I think,
1: you know, I do. Yeah, I always appreciate the conversation and a chance to talk, you know, the detail of baseball, because uh, there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. And uh, and I just I hope that the fans out there are appreciating watching some guys really compete down the stretch and knowing where we are. I know that some teams when when you're struggling, it can kind of look uh, like, you, you know, there isn't that effort out there. And I think our guys are just proven day in and day out. Let's keep battling, let's keep competing, and let's put ourselves in a position to get better and, uh, and And look back on this year as a growth opportunity more than anything else going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a fun run right now, right? I mean, the four straight series wins, three of the four against really good teams. Like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons to be watching right now. Absolutely. We're
1: not going to back down from a challenge, and you're going to see some guys really perform. And hopefully, as you just mentioned, some of our young guys and prospects and others are a big part of the September roster uh, that can help us as we go forward.
0: Derek, thank you. Good to see you. Great to see you, as always, Dougie. Take care. Okay, take it easy. Thanks, Derek. Derek was at CHS Field over the weekend. He wanted to get another look at Jose Miranda, wanted to watch Byron Buxton on Friday, wanted to watch Joe Ryan on Friday. Jose Miranda has been off the charts. You heard Derek allude to Jose. It's a matter of when, not if. Do they do it now? Do they wait until... Next year, but Jose Miranda is going to be a big part of the Twins' future. He has exploded this year, just dominating at double A. Then, heck, just look at the Saints' record since Miranda joined triple A. The Saints are now what in first place in their league. The Saints have been playing great baseball going back about two months really since Jose Miranda joined the team. But Falvey was in St. Paul over the weekend, he wanted to check out those guys all right the last the second the final conversation here on scoop podcast episode 363 is with patrick beverly's longtime trainer He is chicago based he has worked with beverly for nine years his name is jeff pegliaca jeff pegliaca i caught up with jeff the other day to talk all things patrick beverly to the minnesota timberwolves Jeff, I appreciate your time. As we here in the Twin Cities get to know Patrick, heck, you can tell us, does he prefer Patrick, Pat, something else. But, but as we get to know him here in the Twin Cities, what will surprise us about him?
2: I think uh, the biggest surprise to Patrick Beverly would be um, there is a method to his madness, I'd say. I think people that are not used to seeing him up close see uh, a frenetic guy Who's, uh, you know, all energy and uh, they don't know that the ins and outs of uh, the cerebral guy that he really is, you know, and uh, maybe the intellectually, you know, you know, formatted man that he is upstairs a lot of the time, too. Um, I think he's uh, I, I, I think he is a unique NBA player. I think he's more than the three and D guy, the energy guy that, uh, you know, the world's used to seeing, you know, uh, you know, if, if you're out of his market you know, things that you don't necessarily, you know, want to learn about a guy that you're competing against, you know, but, uh, he's, uh, he's a cerebral thinker, you know, uh, coach on the floor. Um, and there's just a lot more to the guy, you know, I've been it's probably been eight, nine years, you know, I've been by his side. So, uh, he's, uh, he, he, he's, he's a great teammate. He's a great leader and, uh, he's a selfless guy in general. So,
0: all right. So, Eight, nine years. So he would have been post college, right? He would have been out of Arkansas. Yes. Was it after? Out of Arkansas. Was it after one of his European stints? Like just take us through your relationship with him.
2: My relationship with him is um, I got connected through his agent. Uh, I, I believe it's fir- after his first year with the Rockets. You know, so, uh, you know, we met in Chicago and, and hit it off and uh, have built a, a very good bond since then. You know, so been through a lot, couple teams. You know, ups and downs, you know, trials, tribulations, you know, all the cliches he's been through and busted through the walls and uh, is uh, now in a new market. I know he's excited. So,
0: yeah, I mean, you know, I piggyback on on that last comment. I mean, how much dialogue have you had with him? He certainly has been pretty frontal on on social media about welcoming this opportunity here in Minnesota. How much dialogue have you had with him about it?
2: You know, we, we've had a ton. Um, I, I he he's excited for, for for people that that want him around. You know, he will he will live and die by by that at all times. I mean, he's uh, he's ready to work. I think uh, while he was waiting to see where he was going to land, and when things were getting done, um, I, I think we had talked early you know, maybe at 11, 12 o'clock in the morning. He had already been onto his third workout, you know, and he was excited. He couldn't wait to tell me that, you know, he was headed to Minnesota. And uh, it's like, these people can't wait, you know, until I get there because I'm going to give them everything I got, you know? So a lot of dialogue. He's excited, you know, is excited to be around the young guys. You know, he's, he's great with young guys. He's a great mentor. He's great in the locker room. Um, He's the guy that knows all the spots on the court. You know, so he's been an extension. I mean, a lot of coaches have put their playbook in his hands, you know, because he he, he knows what's going on out there. And uh, like I said, there, there's a lot more to the guy, you know, than the 3 and D, the, the guy in people's faces. The Like I said, there's a method to all of it. You know, the, this guy is cerebral as they get. So
0: have you had a chance to work with him this summer or will you before? I mean, heck, at this point, training camp is about a month away. Right.
2: Right, right around the corner, you know, he's been in LA a lot, you know, um, obviously it was the, the season, season went longer for, you know, the Clippers and that didn't, and, you know, it got a rest and recover, you know, 33, the guy's in, in great shape, but, you know, you, you gotta take advantage of your time off and stuff, but uh, he's he's been at it every day, you know, every day. And and we stay on top of stuff. He's a big film guy, you know, past clips back and forth full-time, you know, he wants uh, immediate feedback, you know, on stuff. That night, the next morning, we've been talking through his possessions for almost ten years now. You know, this guy puts a lot of energy into his game. You know, not just what you're seeing when the lights turn on. So,
0: you work with a lot of special basketball players, but like, is yeah. is Patrick's story about the best of, of all the the players that that you work with, men and women? I mean, I just think about yeah. everything he's overcome, the three teams overseas, getting cut by the Miami Heat, like. You know, I would imagine, you know, we talk about the cliched, you know, chip on a player's shoulder. Right. Like in right. Patrick's case, I have to imagine like that chip is is enormous.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a mountain. And the thing is, like the more success he's had the, and the longer he's outlasted, you know, guys or 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 had to fight for a, for a spot or stay in a rotation or become a starter i play guys since he got into the league. Like this guy has not lost his edge at any point. You know, the money came, he worked harder. Another contract came, he worked harder. You know, another challenge came, had to play off the ball, had to play with ball in hands. You know, it was like work, work, work. I mean, this guy taught me, you know, what hard work was. And I, I thought I was getting after pretty good when I met him. You know, but I, I mean, there's not enough time in the day for, for me to be thankful of kind of what he's brought to our relationship, you know, from, from my end as far as what hard work really means. You know, and there's always something else you can do. There's there's no stone left unturned with this guy, you know, so.
0: Jeff, has he had conversations with you over the years about, you know, what sort of bond he has with Gershon Rosas, who runs the Timberwolves, who I believe helped discover him when, when Gershon was with the Rockets and then Chris Finch is here as As the head coach, Chris has history with the Houston Rockets as well.
2: Yeah, and and he was excited. It's the first name he came up with. So You know, Gerson's there, you know. I mean, he was excited, you know. He likes being around people that know him and understand him. And I think that's why I was really appreciative of being in Houston. You know, they let him be him, you know. And then when he got to L.A., they let him be him. And that was one of the biggest reasons he was excited about coming to Minnesota is because guys were familiar with him and his genetic makeup and, and what made him tick. And obviously you got to want a guy like that in your market. You know, they, you know, what comes with him, you know, the energy, you know, the, the behavior, you know, the things that make him special, you know, that, that he carries that it factor with him, whether you like it or hate it, you know, you, you got to want him there and these guys want him there. And so he's, he's ready to rock.
0: I mean, is your sense, Jeff, that, that this is better than the alternative that if, if Memphis decided to, to keep him? That sure, playing with John Morant and, and some yep. of those young stars down there. I'm sure he would have adapted fine, but but he really feels wanted here in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, he feels wanted and 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 he, as excited as he was, the first part of the trade, he, it was 10 times once he figured out that there was a landing spot that he was excited about. He likes these guys, he's talked about these guys, and and he's ready to come and be a great teammate.
0: Do you sense there's even extra motivation that he's in a he's in a contract year that he still wants to play for a few more years?
2: Yeah. I mean, he, he's always looking, you know, for, for today and he's looking, you know, for the future. He's got the short-term goals. He's got the long-term stuff too. But uh, I mean, this guy, this guy signed two, three deals since we've been together. And it was either that night or the next morning, he was back at it in the gym. You know, I mean, this man needs no motivation. He's never needed it. He's, he's, it's all, you know, from, from within, you know, this guy is like the candles lit, the fire is lit at all times with this guy you know, people don't need to push him. They don't need to motivate him. You know, money doesn't do it anymore. He, he loves basketball and he, he competes with himself every day.
0: Yeah. I mean, I suppose, I mean, he's made all the money he'll ever need. I mean, you know, times 10, I mean, he is, he has gotten his life changing money by this point. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah, he has. And, and, uh, You know, we since he was young and and we were trying to figure out, you know, what his role was going to be, his identity was going to be in the NBA. You know, it it was just about always chasing, you know, as good as we could make him. It wasn't ever about chasing the money and the contracts. You know, the league is so competitive that if you chase it in the reverse order, sometimes you don't last real long. You know, and he was smart enough, even at 20. Three twenty-four. you know, when, when, when we met each other that, you know, we were just trying to chase being great and it's how he is this morning. That's how he was five years ago, eight years ago, you know, since he was in high school and I watched him play, you know, this guy's just been attacking like the game itself and uh, the money will come, you know, when you, when you become as good as you can be. So.
0: Jeff, what do you now know about Patrick that you didn't know when, when you guys did connect it, you know, when he was 23, 24.
2: Well, I'll tell you, you know, the guy's grown up, you know, by a mile, you know, um, you know, you, you, you live and learn, you know, you, you mature, you become a better pro. Um, I, I mean, he, the man is an unbelievable father to his kids, you know, and, um, if people saw him around his children, around my kids, you know, how he treats other people. I mean, he, he's got a huge heart and, uh, it, it, he's a generous guy. And there's just so much more to this guy. So whenever I get the opportunity to talk about him, you know, um, it's uh, it's his professionalism and him as a person and how he treats other people um, and, and how he is a father is uh, is when I'm the most prideful, you know, so.
0: But he's got some bulldog to him too, right? I mean, at sometimes it you yeah, know n- second it, it can even be over the top. But you know what? Like a team like the Wolves, they probably need some of that edginess. Yeah,
2: yeah they 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 need it, and I think you've got hungry guys there already. And this guy will like uh, cultivate the madness. You know, he'll he'll find ways to make sure guys pick their spots, and uh, and obviously he uh, he goes to where he goes when it's time to play. You know, I mean, he goes to a different world, you know, it, it, as far as his competitive nature. And it's, he would not be in the NBA, you know, without that. That's what got him here. You know, he, he he knows what people are looking for in him as a player and as a competitor. You know, there's a lot of game that goes with that now. You know, you can't just play in the NBA. My, the, the guy's a 40% three-point shooter. You know, the guy's first-team all-defender. You know, his uh, his body is big and strong and mobile, you know, at 33 And, uh, I mean, he's bringing that at all times, but I, I do believe, you know, that, uh, he, he controls what he does. He knows what he's going to do. He, he pushes things far and maybe even a little farther, you know, but, uh, these are conversations, you know, that we have, and uh, this is what makes him special. And, uh, you never know what you're going to get, but you're going to get it all. You know,
0: I'll leave you with this. I mean, anything, Jeff, that we didn't touch on, I mean. You schooled me and, and everybody that will watch and listen to sure. this pretty darn well. But anything we didn't touch on that you want to get out there?
2: I, I just think uh, that he's coming to work. You know, he, he's not coming to, to get anything handed to him. He's going to push these guys every day. He's going to, you know, want to be held accountable. He's going to hold other people accountable. And uh, he just wants to win. This guy thinks, you know, he will take you to the playoffs. He will help take you to the playoffs uh, and, and, and go far in the playoffs. This guy's not, not coming in to, to rebuild or hope for the best, you know, he will expect you guys to win.
0: I know there's already chatter. Scoops Robinson from Bally Sports suggesting that the Lakers are ready to pounce all over Beverly when the Wolves buy him out. Hey, maybe it eventually gets to that point, but the Wolves love the idea of Patrick Beverly being here. They want to make this thing work. They plan on having a successful year The Patrick Beverly is here the entire season. The Wolves continue. They'll always be in the mix on Ben Simmons as long as Ben Simmons is a Philadelphia 76er. Although I'm told the recent chatter of uh, the Wolves being quote persistent isn't necessarily accurate. It's not like Gerson Rosas is reaching out to Daryl Morey on a daily basis. The Sixers know Where the Wolves stand, the Wolves know that they, in all likelihood, still need to involve a third team. Now, I can tell you, uh, the Sixers had no interest in Jarrett Culver or Juancho Hernan Gomez. Daryl Morey has a history of Patrick Beverly, so could Beverly eventually be part of a trade that nets the Wolves' Ben Simmons? Sure, I wouldn't necessarily dismiss that idea, but it's not like the Wolves and the Sixers are talking every single day. I'm telling you, the Sixers know where the Wolves stand. The Wolves still, quote, badly want Ben Simmons. But it's not like the two teams are talking every 24 hours. All right, we are done on this late Sunday morning, the 22nd of August. The year is 2021. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 363. Stay safe. Stay sane.
2: He knows you once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test, unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks.